Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The 11 to 1 Show. Superheroes and princesses and a whole load of where's wallies. It has to be World Book Day. More on this after Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, you give love a bad name. Are they rock? Are they pop? Are they somewhere in between with regards to Duran Duran? It's, I don't know. I don't know. They are genreless. I'm going to say they defy all genre. And I'm very excited to bring you the chat with bass player of Duran Duran, John Taylor. Not every day you get to sit down and have a chat with a legend of 80s music. And I promise you, you were in for a treat a little bit later on. Getting back to the present moment, though, and... You know, today is World Book Day and I'm asking, was it invented by a teacher to torture us poor parents? Because, you know, we have enough going on between bake sales and raffles and parent-teacher meetings and homework and every single day they come home with something else that the school wants us to do and then they come home and say, Mammy... It's World Book Day. No! World Book Day. What am I going to do now? Here's my list of everything that will happen to parents in and up to World Book Day. Number one, your child will tell you lastminute.com that it's World Book Day and they have to dress up. Normally, it's the night before that you hear this news and if that happens, great. At least you'll have some time to cobble something together. Last year, my son told me as we were going out the door to school. I kid you not. Number two, you will see at least 12 Where's Wallies. Do not judge those poor parents. They did not have enough time or energy to think up of anything else original. Number three, there will be some weirdo parent who has spent all night paper macheing their kid into Violet Beauregard sized costume, you know, where she turns into the blueberry in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, the kid looks amazing, but don't let that smugness get in on you. You can shuffle your Where's Wally child in the door with pride. <laughs> Number four, there will be that one kid who forgets entirely and comes to school in the uniform. Again, no judgment. And number five, after you do manage to create a fantastic costume out of random items you have found in your house, your kid is now the alien who loves underpants. He will tell you that he doesn't like it. It's too uncomfortable. And then you'll end up putting him in the superhero costume that you have at the back of the wardrobe for the one millionth year in a row. This year, my daughter created a masterpiece of a fantastic Mr. Fox mask and tail made from a duster for her little brother. But the sad end to this story is my poor son has been sick all week long and has now missed World Book Day. Now, normally this would be a parenting win, but now I have two disappointed kids. The teenager who spent ages recreating a very lifelike Mr. Fox mask and the poor child who's sick at home missing out in the crack. Love that version of Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Yola. 
Absolutely classic. Laura is on. She said, I had confirmation yesterday from my last child. Yippee, I'm officially finished with World Book Day. Look, Laura, way to rub it in, you know, just have a little bit of compassion for the rest of us that have to, you know, put up with World Book Day for how many more years do I have of it? Lasts. He's only in senior infants. I can't even add up how many years, Laura. I'm that frustrated by the World Book Day scenario. Thank you so much, though, for, for sending that in. By the way, if you if you came up with an genius uh, idea for World Book Day for your child that requires minimum effort... Please do let me know so that I can put that in the bag for next year. 086-1800-658. I do have some very cool facts, though, about how uh, beneficial reading is for us. And it does a lot more than just, you know, escapism into another world. It's going, there's a lot of uh, great benefits to reading. We'll bring you those a little bit later on. I do have a request for Tom and Nora Cusson. They are from Carnaross and they are celebrating their 58th wedding anniversary today. My goodness me. What is the secret, Tom and Nora, to a happy marriage and a long lasting marriage like that? I'd love to know. I hope you're having a very, very special anniversary celebration today. Congratulations. Have a wonderful day that's coming in from all your children, grandchildren and great grandchildren. I have a great song for Tom and Nora. Coming the way very shortly, we have Tom Grennan for them. The 11 to 1 show. This is a great idea if you are stuck, like I often am, last minute situation for World Book Day. Mr. Bump. Mr. Bump. Oh, sure, for God's sake, that's so easy. Blue clothes is all you need and just wrap a load of bandages around your child. Genius. There's Tom Grennan, especially for Nora and Tom Cusson, celebrating their 58th wedding anniversary today. Happy anniversary to you. World Book Day in ours is last year's Halloween costume, says Graham. Well, yes, I know that also is an idea. Somebody else has this idea. You can't go wrong with a witch's costume. Uh, costume. Worst witch, uh, witch from the Wizard of Oz, room on the brim, witch, the list is endless. Plus you can recycle it for Halloween. Okay, okay, that's a great idea. I don't see my son, though, wearing a witch costume, <laughs> but that's fantastic. Uh, if you have uh, a little girl at home who wants to be a witch, brilliant. Uh, my kid has gone as gangster granny the last couple of years. Uh, night and gown, uh, night gown, sorry, uh, the eye mask, uh, knitting needles and some slippers. Oh, yeah, also a very good idea. Thank you for that suggestion. I don't think he's going to go as gangster granny, but I'm loving the Mr. Bump idea. We might go for that one for next year. Uh, also, James has been on. I love listening to audiobooks. Yes. He says they shut out all the idiots around me. Well, James needs must. You know what I mean? You got to get the, the headphones on and get stuck into an audiobook. Great if you're out for a walk as well, I find. If you just don't fancy, you don't know what song you want to listen to, maybe on Spotify or something. And then you're like, right, OK, I'll stick on an audiobook. Great. If there's anyone actually that you're listening to at the moment or if you're reading a good book, do let us know as well on 086-1800-658. Have to mention this because they are celebrating seven years on the go. It is the Drogheda Cottage Market and their seventh birthday is happening at the weekend and they are going to be moving permanently now to the former next unit in Scotch Hall for the foreseeable future. So they used to be at the uh, Presbyterian uh, Church uh, on St. Peter's Street but they are now in Scotch Hall and it's great actually because it's such a bigger space in there. So they um, are encouraging everybody to come down to their seventh birthday celebrations. There's unique gifts. Uh, You can stock up on great food uh, as well and this is all obviously to support uh, shop local and local 
makers and creators and uh, the organisers of the cottage market are blown away by people's positivity and reaction to the market down through the years and they want to invite everybody along to the seventh birthday. So there's going to be 40 local makers of homegrown, homemade and handcrafted delights on the day. There will be everything from baked goods to Indian street food to bespoke art, jewellery, craft, candles, books and vinyl as well. They're also hosting a free workshop as well uh, this month which is going to be on basic knotting techniques of macrame they're going to be taking place at 11am and 2pm on the day and are completely free of charge so if you're into that kind of stuff uh, they uh, will be filled by the way first come first serve uh, basis they're also going to have live music and they'll have the Loud Volunteer Centre as well they're celebrating their 20th anniversary on the day as well so that is all happening on uh, this weekend Saturday at uh, Scotch Hall in Drogheda and wishing them all the best and Every success going forward. Uh, seven years on the go. Fantastic uh, to see that for the Draw the Cottage Market. The sweetest thing. You too with the sweetest thing. This is a brilliant thing. My nephew is reading a book called Green and Grumpy. So I dressed him all in green and made him a green sign saying, if you think I'm grumpy, you obviously haven't met my mother. Love it. That's brilliant. Green and Grumpy. I wonder now what age group is that? I'm going to Google that because I think my son might like that book. Thank you so much for sending that in. Great idea. Minimum effort. You know what I mean? Minimum effort. That's all we need. Really looking forward to chatting to our first guest this morning. She is a fashion designer from Dunboyne and I was struck by the completely vibrant colours of her amazing scarves and accessories that she makes. I actually uh, bumped into her but very briefly uh, before Christmas in uh, Dublin Castle there was a great craft fair that was going on and I just was bamboozled by the absolutely gorgeous colour that was coming from her stall and it was only after chatting to her yesterday that I realised it was the same person. Anyway, her name is Claire O'Connor. She's a fashion designer from Dunboyne. You can find her work, by the way, ClaireO'Connor.net. Now it's Claire, C-L-A-R-E, O'Connor.net. But Claire is, uh, she's entered the Irish Business Design Challenge and she needs our help. She needs our votes. We're going to chat to Claire next. The 11 to 1 show. A fashion designer from Dunboyne, County Meath, who makes the most colourfully striking luxury wearable art in the form of accessories for women, is taking part in this year's Irish Business Design Challenge. So this is run by the Design and Craft Council of Ireland. It's open to all micro, small and medium enterprises in Ireland that have designed sustainable products, services or strategies that have benefited their customers and the environment at large. So she needs our support to make it to the next stages of the competition. She's encouraging us to vote for her. I'm delighted to have Claire O'Connor from Claire O'Connor Designs with me on the line. How are you getting on, Claire? Hi, Sinead. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Delighted to talk to you all. Great um, to, to, to chat to yourself as well. Now, take me back to the start of this. Where does your journey into fashion begin? When did you realise that this was your calling? Well, it's actually been quite a journey because I was originally a graphic designer and um, in my in my early 20s, that's what, what my original degree. And I worked as a graphic designer for a good few years. But just I think if you're really meant to be kind of really creative, you know, if you're an artist, it's just graphic design is, is it's just not it's not creative enough. And um, so I found in my late in my late 20s, I after trying loads of different avenues within graphic design itself, like magazines and design houses and you know different print houses different different avenues I decided to then go back to, to study painting fine art 
Wow, okay. So you went all the way back. I mean, after, and, and you know, I think, like you say, once it's your true calling, you have to really answer that, don't you? And, and, and really go for it. Oh, you do, definitely. It was strange. Like, I mean, I really, you know, I, I, I did think it was going to be something that would, you know, it was creative, mm. you know, it was a career. And I suppose that's the mistake, I suppose, I made when I went into college when you're so young at that stage. You're hearing lots of voices of people saying, you know, your family and friends, oh, how are you going to make money? And graphic design sounded like, you know, well, this was a career. You know, I could be creative, but, um, you know, you'd be earning money. But I think if you are an artist, it just, it's, it. It's you know, it's you. not going to be enough. Yeah, yeah. it won't be enough. So, it's really interesting as you say that as well, because like, <laughs> there's probably so many families out there that do that. And it's out of concern because they're going, oh, art, how are you? They freak out, don't they? They go, how are you going to make money? And, you know, what are you going to do? And then you go, kind of go down the wrong route. But it just uh, goes to show where you are today, Claire, that you absolutely can follow your dream and, and, and make money as well. So what led you? So you went back then to study fine art, but then you went off and worked abroad in Berlin and Venice. I did, I did, yeah. No, I went off, I studied, I studied fine arts and then I got an amazing opportunity when I when I just graduated. I was like, okay, the best places for art is either Berlin, New York or London. So I sent the CVs out and I got a great opportunity to work as an intern in um, Berlin with a German um, large-scale printer, which was amazing. We took, he, had, he got this project where he had permission to take over the empty Stasi headquarters for a wow. year. He carved a whole of the lar- um, large-scale drawings into the lino floor. It was 900 square metres and the, the different kind of drawings would be a metre to two metres wide. Some of them, they were massive. So yeah. I used to help them doing large scale printing off that floor. And then that led me then to an opportunity to do some um, work in a gallery. And then I painted for another famous artist in, in Berlin. So Fantastic. So I, I kind of was, you know, ex- seeing how professional artists, yeah. you know, were able to do loads of different things and kind of, you know, how... How, there were lots of possibilities for artists, you know, to to create, you know, yeah. sustainable livings for themselves, and um, and then that an opportunity from there then led to to Venice, and um, it was when I was in Venice actually that I got the idea then to create a brand of wearable art, because when I was in Venice it was a fantastic experience for me. I had loads of opportunities to create great art. Um, I worked in the Biennale, and I you know had to do various different types of things. To sustain myself and mm-hmm. um, to live there so I kind of I got to that stage where I was like oh it'd be brilliant to be able to use all of my skills that I have to create something for myself that would enable me to be an artist full term you know to so that I'd be using my graphic design skills and yep. all the different types of things that I would have gained from all of the different various you know different types of jobs I would have done along the way and, uh, and so that's where I started I, I started getting samples of I went up to Como got samples of my first scarves and um, and how it all really starts is that I create the paintings first oh. and then I, I use sections of those paintings then to create a design and then I bring that then that design then to Como and then they print it Wow, so it's literally wearable art. I was saying that almost, not in an offhandish way, but almost like because the the, the design of like, they're so, so striking. They're so colourful and beautiful. That's what I kind of meant. But it's literally wearable art. It is, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Because my work was, because my work was just so colourful. When I was in Venice, I had a big exhibition and I had, you know, a huge body of work and I had these really large paintings and they're really vibrant and colourful and, you know, a lot of friends and people that I was meeting, God, they'd be amazing as dresses. They'd be amazing, mm. as, 
you know, wearable pieces. So that's kind of where I got the idea. So I started the experiments when I was there and then I got to a certain point where I couldn't go any further, which kind of also coincided with the ending of a contract that I was doing. Okay. I just wanted to, you know, I was at that stage where it's like, I'd like to come home. So I took that leap of faith and then I came home. It kind of, it was in towards the end of 2017 and I literally just hit the ground running and launched in 2018. So I, I, I got a stand, a last minute stand at Showcase. I created my packaging within two months. Wow. Luckily, I had all those skills from being graphic designer. Yeah. I was able to do that all myself. And um, I launched my first collection. And um, and then I've just been really, ever since then, I've been really fine-tuning that. And I, I use a lot of contrasting stripes and patterns in my work to create the energetic paintings that I make. So I, I would always, in my style, there's always been kind of like, you know, stripes, contract stripes, you know, against poured paint or drips of paint or yeah. organized forms and organic forms. So I, I then kind of, wanted to kind of create a signature style that would be recognisable as well and would also bring my collections a cohesive kind of design style across all of the different ranges. Well, the job done there because it's <laughs> instantly recognisable. Like I said to you yesterday, I, I it was only after I looked at the website yesterday before giving you a shout that I remembered that I had come across your, your work in, in Dublin Castle. So so unique and striking that it is. But, you know, this, this idea... Um, you know of of the uh, the the wearable art and, and and starting out in the fashion world. Like was it was it daunting initially? Because it is a competitive world, isn't it? Oh, it's hugely competitive. Yeah, but I suppose that was the the beauty about living abroad. I didn't know, you know, really who was doing it in Ireland. You know, and then you're also you kind of got the mentality of like, you know, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and just and just give it a shot and. Um, you know, and then luckily when I came back, there was a there was a um, a business um, program that was being run called Back for Business, and I did that, and that kind of was a real great help for the first year. And then I also did the Build Your Craft Business course with the Design Council, and that was a great help as well. And um, and then I've also had an awful lot of help and um, interaction with Me Leo, Me Partnership, and they've helped me greatly along the way. During lockdown, I I did a lot of work on my website, and that helped me to reach you know customers myself because prior to kind of lockdown, I suppose as a small brand, I was concentrating on trying to get retailers. You know, yes, so that stock, have, of course, yeah. You know, you know that kind of way. But then, of course, we we we, we experienced COVID, which is unfortunate. But I, I've had so much growth; it's it's you know it's been really great, steady all all along the way. Well, that's what you want. So, tell us more about what you make. I mentioned, you know, you've scarves, you've bags, but you've got like, I mean, you do have dresses as well. You've other accessories as well in this. I do, I do. Well, I initially just started off with the scarves and then I developed those ranges. I, I started off with silk, then I, I introduced um, wool silk and mud linen silk. And then in 2020, I really wanted to, to kind of have more sustain, sustainable fabrics. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of bamboo. So I started experimenting with bamboo. And um, and then around that exact same time, then I, I, you know, I felt scarves are fantastic, but it's also very limiting. So I started experimenting with sample dresses and um, and last year I launched uh, a small range of dresses and tops in Create and Brent Thomas. Oh, fantastic. And they're in Brent Thomas. That must have been amazing as well. To, oh, to, to, it's an amazing experience. Yeah, I can absolutely. Uh, that's a, that's amazing. And you mentioned sustainability. That is such an important part of the business as well. And you recently branched into designing. And this is where I uh, your, your designs caught my eye was the eco-friendly umbrella. Tell me about this. Yes, this was, I kind of, 
I just felt it also made sense that, you know, like I have scarves, so umbrellas, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. But also my, my price points kind of with the scarves, you know, they are the luxury end, so they do kind of start start at 149 up to 279 And I wanted to have some more accessible accessible kind of um, objects that people could buy. Um, so I kind of started, a couple of people mentioned, God, they'd be amazing as umbrellas, like that again. And, um, and it was something that I, I had taught myself, you know, if you go into a lot of museums, there's always a lot of, you know, um, umbrellas with great art on them. But I wanted to do something that would be, you know, e- economic, you know, it would be something that would be eco-friendly, that they yeah. wouldn't be something that you would just throw away because that can be the case with umbrellas. So I wanted, wanted oh, them yeah. to Oh, yeah. And you quality. lose them, don't you, as well? Or we they do. turn inside out on you and then you discard them. You're right. We do go through a lot of umbrellas. Yeah. So... I, I started, I was like, okay, where do I start with this? So I just I just liked that on Google and I did a lot of research over around six months and I eventually, I wanted to try and keep the production in Europe, but unfortunately that wasn't possible. I did try and find, I found one company in Wales, but they ended up there, their, their sister partner partner was already in Taiwan, so I thought oh, okay. the difference really. Um, but no, the, com- the company was fantastic. So I was able to kind of go through all of my design details. I, I have kind of like a signature handrail striped edge that I have on all my scarves. And I wanted to bring that across to the umbrellas. I wanted to have my painting on the outside. And then I wanted to bring the, the stripes, you know, the contrast stripes that I use a lot of my designs on the inside of it. So the design process was amazing. I, there were It was very easy to work with them on, on that. And then um, I wanted, you know, the different elements. I really wanted them to be recyclable. I wanted them to be using recy- recycled materials. Mm-hmm. So they're made with um, recycled or pests. So it's recycled PET, which is a fabric that's made from the um, recycling of water bottles. Oh, so wow. Drink okay. bottles, water bottles. Um, so they're, it's a lovely soft fabric and um, and it's very durable and they're double lined, so they're very sturdy. Mm-hmm. And then I also have that they have 10 spokes, so that means that they're, you know, with our wind in this country. They're not turning uh, inside out. Crucial. They're not turning inside, <laughs> not easily anyway. Um, it hasn't happened yet. And um, and then they've got a hand-turned handle, so they're, um, they're yeah, they're a beautiful gift. For they, like that. Are they are a beautiful are gift and, and they're so striking. You're not going to want to leave this just lying around for somebody else to take or, or forget about it. Now, you're, this no. this part of the business um, is has been entered now to the Irish Business Design Challenge. Tell me about this competition. Yes, this competition is, is fantastic. I've, in, I've um, put in the, the umbrellas and my 100% bamboo range because bamboo is... is completely eco-friendly, vegan-friendly, sustainable. Um, so both of these range are, ranges I've put in for this challenge. And if I get a challenge, if th- there's different levels. They mm-hmm. have, um, there's for micro-business, there's for small business, and then there's for, for larger businesses. And um, so I've, I've put in now for the micro-business. And um, if I, if it's different levels to win, but if you win, this package would be amazing for my business. There's um, some funding then to, to progress your collections and to develop your, you know, your product further. And then there's an awful lot of um, publicity involved as well, which would be fantastic to just kind of get my product out there in front of, you know, in front of customers. So that, you know, you're making the sales, yeah. and you're, you're, you're developing your business and, and building and building your company. That's fantastic. So uh, how can you, how can we vote? Or do you get shortlisted or how does the next part of it work? Yes, at the moment, um, everybody, everybody that has applied is, is up, 
up on the website. Okay. Um, so at the moment, um, everybody can vote and the, vote, the public voting is worth 20% of it. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, and then they have a team then of very different, you know, different specialists within the field of sustainability and um, circular fashion and, um, you know, all of those kind of, you know, fields. Yeah. They will be they will be judging all of the different entries. So there's a certain amount that will be going for the public vote, um, but then it'll also be judged as well. Okay, so you've kind of got a, a fair enough shot at this. So what's your yeah. hopes then for, for the future? I mean, my God, 2018, you started off, you've just kind of catapulted yourself into this uh, and, and it's going so well. So I've only, uh, you've only probably got big, big plans for the future, Claire. I do. This year is going to be really exciting. Like I launched the, the small range of dresses and tops last year. That kind of really tested the market. I've been talking about um, doing kimonos from the very, very Oh, colors. I love kimonos. So, yes, that yeah, would work just, so well with your, your colours and everything. Yeah. I think they'll just be, you know, there's just going to be a perfect, you know, perfect addition to my collection. So at the moment, I'm expanding the dresses and I'm, I'm, I've already created the kimonos. So they're just in kind of at, at the final stages at the moment. So Fantastic. they'll be launched in a couple of months time. So I'm going to have a full range of dresses again, much a much larger collection of dresses and um, building from last year and then a new kimono range. And then I'm also hoping at the moment, I only just to kind of experiment mm-hmm. with with. The, the umbrellas I only started them just before Christmas so at the moment I just have three designs and they complement my scarves so each of them kind of matches a different scarf so I am hoping to expand that range and um, so that I, I'll have different different styles but also more more different different colours as well Well Claire I wish you the best of luck not just in the competition but with the business going forward I, I think what you're doing is amazing and I hope that all of this I've no doubt it will all come to fruition but thank you so much for joining me today Thank you so much thanks a million for your time and thanks a million for giving me the opportunity to oh, Absolutely our pleasure our pleasure ClaireO'Connor.net by the way it's C-L-A-R-E O'Connor.net now if you want to vote okay because Claire is at the next stage or she's at this, this stage of the competition she needs our votes March 6th okay is the closing date you can check out dcci.ie. okay that's the main website for this dcci.ie. but what I'm going to do is later on keep an eye out on LMFM's Facebook page and I'm going to put the direct link to vote for Claire on that so that'll be uh, this afternoon but that closing date is March the 6th News at 12 is approaching but after that it's not every day you get to chat to a legend of 80s music you do not want to miss my chat with John Taylor bass player of Duran Duran coming up after 12 The 11 to 1 show Going back to the year 2002 very shortly, but first let's have music from Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, when I was your man from 2012, but now we're going back to 2002. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 And it was the US invasion of Afghanistan. US conventional forces first deployed as part of Operation Anaconda on this day in 2002. It's also Chris Martin's birthday. He was born in 1977, so happy birthday to him. And today is World Book Day. It started off, I think, in the UK before spreading into Ireland, but uh, primary school children dress up as their favourite character from a book and the emphasis in on the joy of reading and their kids get book vouchers and that kind of thing in school today as well. World Book Day. 
LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Now it's time to check in with the world of celebrity. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Crossy. Sam Claflin stars the new series Daisy Jones and the Six, which is based on the best-selling novel and is available to stream on Amazon Prime this Friday. It's inspired by Fleetwood Mac and follows the rise and fall of the fictional band. Sam's best known for his role in The Hunger Games and tells us that he had no idea what he was getting himself into. I wasn't really aware of the huge sort of surroundings that Hunger Games had. I didn't know the weight that it carried and I didn't know what I was getting myself in for. It was a bit of a backlash, I think, if I remember rightly, from me being cast because I wasn't blonde and I wasn't tanned and I didn't have green eyes and I didn't have a six-pack. But then, thankfully, after a lot of work, I was sort of embraced by the fandom. It was an amazing experience. I think that was the sort of turning point in my career in many ways. Hilary Duff has revealed it used to bother her when people called her Lizzie McGuire. She starred in the teen series back in the early noughties. She said she was young and wanted to concentrate on her music as herself. Now she looks back at the character with affection. Idris Elba is delighted Luther has gone from a TV show to a movie. It's going to be released on the 24th of February. He's been telling the BBC about it. It feels great. It feels like an achievement, you know? It feels really good. Uh, well, there's a gentleman that's basically spying on all of us using our phones and our laptops and the CCTV and just wreaking havoc. So basically... John Luther's not having it, as you know, and he try, he basically breaks out of prison. Oh, oh I've, I've told the plot now, haven't I? That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Talk about a spoiler alert. Luther, movie coming to cinemas. Uh, we will be chatting movies with Niall O'Brien on Real Reviews tomorrow. But uh, back to today, and we have a big treat on the way very shortly. I finally managed to to put together the interview with John Taylor of Duran Duran. Now I have a few snippets of their songs included in the the piece that you're going to hear but I am undecided as to what Duran Duran song you would like me to play in its entirety. So once the interview is over would you like me to play maybe Ordinary World, Rio, Hungry Like the Wolf or perhaps something that uh, is your favourite Duran Duran song. What would you like me to play after the interview, let me know. Suggestions, please. 86 658 There's the Eagles taking it easy. Well, it's time to take it easy, sit back and relax because we're going to be de- talking to John Taylor, bass player from Duran Duran. Let suggestions coming in for songs. Thank you so much. Good lot of people looking for Rio. Um, but do keep those coming in. What song, what Duran Duran song would you like me to play after the interview? 086-1800-658. We're bringing you that chat just after these. The 11 to 1 show.
here's a man that needs no introduction to fans of 80s music. As the bassist for Duran Duran, he helped pioneer the new romantic movement and became one of the most recognisable faces in pop culture. With a career spanning over four decades, John Taylor has made a name for himself as an accomplished musician, songwriter and producer. He's also had a successful solo career and collaborated with numerous other artists. Last week, I had the privilege of sitting down with John to discuss his life, career and the enduring legacy of Duran Duran. John Taylor, legendary bass player with Duran Duran. You are so welcome to LMFM's 11 to 1. It's so lovely to meet you. My 10-year-old self is doing a happy dance, bit of a fangirl moment here. Ah, (laughs) Yes, I get that. And, you know, my co-worker, Chris Murray, on The Breakfast Show, I was telling him that I was going to be chatting to you today and he was so jealous because he saved up all of his Holy Communion money to buy the album, the his very first album, I might add, which was uh, the Seven Ragged Tiger album. What a cool oh. first album to have. What, what a great use of that Holy Communion money. <laughs> Which begs the question, uh, what was your very first album that you bought as a kid? Uh, Rod Stewart. Oh, fantastic. Which one? Never never a Dull Moment, which was the one, uh, it had You Wear It Well on it. It was like the one I really wanted was Every Picture Tells a Story, which had yeah. Maggie May. I mean, that was the big one. That was the one that broke Rod Stewart on a mega level. But I wasn't quite there yet. You know, I was still aspiring to owning albums. Uh, so never a dull moment when that came out. That was that was the one, and you know, I, and and I knew, well, all the albums that I owned because I think by the time I was eighteen, I probably amassed like thirty albums. Right? I mean, how you know how many albums can you can you have when you're a teenager? You know, yeah. uh, but I knew every note on those albums. You know, they were like, I mean, they were they were like magical. Yeah, I mean, I can I can completely understand that. And I know, obviously, Roxy Music has to be in there as, as one of the first as well, as a big, big influence on you guys, but you particularly from an early age. Huge. I mean, I, I, you know, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, you had to be there. You know, the, the 70s, like the access to the, to music was so different to what it is today, you know, and, and like it, it's hard to like, like the power of a, of a band like Roxy Music who had such a such a powerful sound and look and they come up on top of the pops one thursday evening you know and and it's just like how what the hell was that you know and of course you can't go on youtube and view it again you know right after you can't access it anywhere it was a one-time only deal burned into your memory and then i had to i had to go and get the single you know i mean the fact that like we would go to so much trouble just to get one song were you, you guys know, like? I mean, we used to, you know, tape from the radio. So that's well, the kind of era I came from. And you used to go absolutely mad if the DJ would talk over like an epic intro to a song or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I got there. I did. I did get there. Uh, I convinced my dad that we needed one of those multi-purpose, you know, hi-fi systems with the tape decks. But I, I quite an early age, I realized the totemic power of owning the damn thing you know and that's why i still i am such a reluctant streamer because i just if i care about a piece of music i i want to i want to own it i know that makes me very old school no i love uh, it i love that yeah yeah. i i i I, and 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 like those singles 
you know, and the B-sides even, which, you know, we now know are almost kind of throwaway songs. Yeah. But 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 they became so so important, you know. And I think when you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Birmingham, went to Catholic school. Uh, you know, it was it was safe, pretty bland, uh, only child, and like my bedroom and what music did when it came in. You know, when I started bringing Roxy Music and David Bowie and Queen, you know, into that room. I mean, suddenly that 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 the suburban bedroom was transformed into a den of exotica you know (laughs) (laughs) you paint such a picture and you know i'm 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 well aware of how difficult it's going to be to kind of get 40 plus years of duran duran into a couple of minutes but uh as you do go back to then i mean if i was to go back to you in school in the 70s i probably would have walked past you in the in the hall john then definitely would have because you were so shy you definitely weren't a rock star as like uh, you know that came later like I tell you, I mean, it was literally like the sixth form dance and somehow, and I just started playing and I had a little band and called Shock Treatment after the Ramones song. And it was just at that moment, punk rock had just hit and everybody, all the, everybody wanted to play an instrument and none of us really could, but I borrowed this amplifier from a guy that was in a real band. And suddenly I had all this power at my fingertips. And I mean, I was playing, it was so fundamental. You know, it was, it was really, I mean, I was playing like two strings, but I was playing it with such volume. And I'll never forget the looks, the transfixed looks suddenly, like the girls, but really all of my classmates were looking at me like, who is that? You know, and, and, and I got that. I got that in that moment that, that suddenly beca- I became somebody that, a, a person of interest. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, and I, and I got that sense of, of, of power and, uh, you know, uh, but, but I, I think that, you know, the die was cast and, and, you know, it's just that, that idea of the magic, the magic of music and the spell that music can cast, you oh, know, completely. And, and, and and you know the fact we're still talking about it, yeah. you know, and I and I and I think I feel very fortunate that I grew up in a period where, I mean, the Beatles. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. my mom was like a Beatles freak, you know, and she, you know, she was from Liverpool, so she loved that they were from Liverpool. They were like family members growing up. I just got it. There was no formal music. We didn't have a, you know, we, n- nobody played music in our family. We didn't. We weren't that. Highfalutin. I really had to seek it out for myself. I think I was about 15. I said to my parents, I want a guitar. So they got me a guitar from like the mail order catalog, you know, but, but nobody knew anything about tuning the guitar. So the guitar just like sat, you know, in a oh closet God. for two years out of tune. It didn't matter what you did on it. It sounded awful. And then it was the Sex Pistols actually. And the Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK, that record was a revolution. It was probably one of the five most impactful records of all time and i came home with that record and i put it on and i'm like holy you know where is that guitar and i got the guitar back out and i was and i just was like i have to join this movement i've got to get on board with this movement and um yeah and and, and, and still yeah the rest is 
And like, you yeah. know, you mentioned the Beatles and Duran Duran have, are going on so much longer th- than the Beatles have. And, and you know, still today they are you're like, you still surprise us. I mean, f- Future Past, I mean, what an album. I mean, this has, you know, the, the moody ballads that you would expect. It has these amazing, you know, get out of the dance floor tracks. But then you are still experimenting. Like, it's still really difficult to put you guys into a genre. And I love that about you guys. And then, I mean, in terms of, you know, the fact that you're still doing this at, at this stage in your career. I mean, you know, we'd forgive you, John, if you just, yeah. you know, called it in and just, you know, <laughs> but you yeah. don't do that. You experiment all the time. Well, I think it's the drive, you know, and you see it. I see it in Paul McCartney. I mean, you know, I see it in the Rolling Stones, you know, I mean, they, and those guys are in the studio together. Paul McCartney's in the studio with the Rolling Stones, Amazing. you know, because because still after all this time, they're still driven to make something great, you know, and surprise their audiences. And, you know, so we learn from the best, you know, and, yeah, and I mean, I feel so lucky to be to be in this game. I mean, we just, you know, we just were in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and you know, yeah, which congratulations, was, by the way. That which was is, incredible. Well, I don't bring it up to brag, but it's kind of bizarre in a way, you know, for a band like Duran, who, as you pointed out, has always been in between genres. Mm. You know, Americans are very big on genres. Britain, UK, Ireland, we're a lot broader in our, in our tastes. You can turn on pop radio and hear all sorts of stuff, Yeah, right? We grew up you know, we grew up on top of the pops and you'd hear soul and you'd hear hard rock and you'd hear electronic pop and disco and you'd hear all this stuff and country, right? But you get to America and you either listen to a hard rock station or a country station or a pop station and they're very genre oriented. So because of that, I didn't think we'd ever get into this rock and roll hall of fame. But then we show up and what do you know? There's Lionel Richie, there's the Eurythmics, there's Eminem, there's, uh, you know, I mean, Dolly Parton, a, I think, was the yes, same. Yes, yes. Yeah. But then you're like, oh my God, I'm so proud of being a part of this, of this community. Who cares where you are? Hey, we're somewhere between Dolly Parton and Eminem, and that is. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. That's Let me tell you, Sinead, that is a warm, comfortable place to be. <laughs> I love that. Um, but, you know, going right back to, to you know, the, the start and uh, the, the, the debut album being released. And then, of course, MTV is launched. Like, talk about serendipity working in your favour. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, the best things about Duran Duran are the videos and you know, they're really like short films. You're you're a, a pretty big film fan yourself, uh, John. Did you just really latch on to this and kind of go, right, we can actually work with this medium? Well, we have to, I have to give credit to what, you know, our team, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that was, you know, people that were working with us that saw the potential, uh, you know, when we didn't. I mean, we weren't the kind of kids to go, hey, look, look how great we look together. You know, it it really wasn't like that. But we did a couple of early videos, like one for Planet Earth. And I think which is label... so trippy, by the way, watching that today <laughs> is amazing. It's got this kind of really cool, jagged, icy kind of wasteland vibe. And there's so much camera trickery going on with that. That yeah. still holds up today. It really does. <laughs> Yeah, because it was a state, it was state of the art, you know, and, and I think people were like, we can do really well, we can do really well with, with, with their videos, if we put a bit of thought into, into what, 
they do. We have to talk about the tour. You're coming to Dublin. We are so excited on May the 7th to the Tree Arena. Now, there's probably no point in me asking you what can we expect from a set list because you guys love to change the setup. But are there any sort of forgotten gems in there, John, that you'd love to lash out? Because obviously we're going to get the hits and we're going to get stuff from future past as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, we're, we're entertainers first and foremost. First and foremost, you know. So it's important that everybody leaves. You know, I want everybody to leave super satisfied, and then some. You know, and there's some songs that Duran Duran just have to play. You know, that the audience wouldn't want to leave. You know, without us playing Ordinary World, Rio. You know, yeah. songs like that. But you know, yes, the Future Past album gives a gives a mood to the show in a way um, that I think the songs that we choose and. I don't know which songs from Future Past we're going to be playing in Dublin. We're not there yet. But, you know, we'll look at the set list from last summer and see what we played in Dublin last summer. And, we, you know, and we'll make sure that we, we, you know, we're not repeating ourselves, you know, that it's a fresh take. It's a different take. Um, Nick is very good at that. He'll call me and say, Johnny, I thought, what about Last Chance on the Stairway? I, oh, and I, yeah. and, my, and my, my first thought of it was like, really? Oh, no, John, you got to do that one. You got to, we haven't heard that in so long. Yeah, and in a yeah, live setting, yeah, that, that would be incredible. Oh, look, at it, John, I could talk to you all day. It's been such a lovely pleasure chatting to you. Continued success. And thank, uh, you. thank you so, so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. What a, what a guy. John Taylor, Duran Duran, May 7th is that gig in the Tree Arena. Ticketmaster.ie for all the details on that. I might, I might have a few tickets for you. I might. Stay tuned to 11 to 1 for more details on that. We were asking what song did you want me to play? You've uh, replied on 086 1800 658 Duran Duran song coming your way next. The 11 to 1 show. It's so hard to believe that this song is by the same band that do Rio and all these other Amazing songs. You can't, that's why you can't really classify them. And uh, apparently, when um, this song, when they had this song, the record company wanted to just, you know, test it out. So they leaked it to a few stations in Florida, and it got such a huge response that it quickly spread to other stations around the country. And then, of course, became such a huge hit, "Ordinary World" from Duran Duran. LMFM Job Search with thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport and entertainment on lmfm.ie. A Lynch Construction require a part-time office administrator for three to four days per week in the Meath area. Please apply with your CV to lisa at alynchconstruction.ie. Sheen and Transport require a HGV driver for the Cavan slash Meath area. Please submit your interest to sheenandtransport22 at gmail.com. McGee Farm Machinery Limited have a vacancy for an apprentice agricultural mechanic in the Laith area. Please email info at mcgeefarmmachinery.ie. They also require a qualified agricultural mechanic in the Laith area as well. Same email, info at mcgeefarmmachinery.ie. Qualitas Electronics, a leading electronic manufacturing company based in Delique Business Park, are looking for an experienced hand solderer. Full-time and part-time positions are available. Please apply with your CV to hello at qualitaselectronics.ie. Don't forget all of the details of those jobs can be found on our local job section, lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search.
Cores with the breathless. I'll tell you something that would leave you breathless. A whopping €9,600 landing in your bank account. That is the jackpot, by the way, for next Tuesday's uh, LMFM Radio Bingo. I'm going to give you all the details of that and more next. The 11 to 1 show. Next Tuesday's jackpot for LMFM Radio Bingo players is a whopping €9,600. Have you got your book yet? LMFM.ie is where you'll find all the details for that. Want to say congratulations to Ronnie Gibney from Town, Pauline Grogan, she's Braden Street, Drogheda and Patricia Owens and Terman Fekin all scooping up €600. Euro. Nice. Well done as well to Geraldine Carpenter. She's from Newtown RD. She won €400. Euro. So you can buy your book today from outlets throughout the North East. And remember, when you're playing LMFM Radio Bingo, you are now supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre. And the chance to win some nice cash doesn't end with the Radio Bingo because tomorrow... We are celebrating the mega 130 million euro jackpot. That is the euro millions. Yeah, I know. So tomorrow on the show, we are giving you, well, no, not 130 million, but we're giving you 200 euro. Yeah. And on every single show from seven in the morning with Chris right through to the drive. You could be getting a nice 200 quid tomorrow just for guessing a number. It's very, very simple. We'll give you all the details on tomorrow's show. Already crazy dreams. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much for your company. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I'll chat to you tomorrow. The 11 to 1 show.